Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings. Welcome to this episode. We are in the ACAR studios and we are joined by katie rogers hello hi katie thank you for letting us be here i can't say thanks for being here because we're in your area for the last time possibly. for the last time so katie will be abandoning uh, film chat uh, and moving to another country what's up what are you doing uh yeah so i haven't abandoned film chat before i've been on every episode but just further and further off mic yeah sometimes in a different room sometimes in a different continent but always yeah. All just the times just... that we mysteriously laugh or there's pauses, we can't hear anything. That was yeah. your stuff. That, that was, was me contributing. Just bad audio elsewhere. quality. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm moving to Sweden, home of a venerable film make tradition. They've got, they've got great cinema there. We've got to stay on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> you got Bergman there. you got Bergman. Uh, you got, uh, you got the son of Bergman. What about that guy did, um, you know, let the right one in? Yeah, like that's moment, Thomas Alfredson. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Thomas Alfredson. I gave yeah, you all the clues, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that snowman killer. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear the snowman killer is a bit of an issue. I mean, they're not massively known for their art in general. they got their sort of Scandi TV shows, Scandi right? Noir, The Bridge. Organ. Is that, is, that, is that Danish? That's Danish, isn't it? I believe. You're just conflating all of the... The bridge is half the bridge Swedish. The bridge half Swedish. Yeah. It might be a Danish production. Yeah. Watch out for that bridge. I hear there's, uh, there's, there's some killings that occur on there. Yeah. I'm not near the bridge. you see snowmen on that bridge, you, you fucking run. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a serious issue. Yeah, but like once you come back from, you'll have learned a bit more about Swedish culture. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be able to come back and educate Maybe I can us. come back and we can do a Swedish... Maybe we can have you on from Sweden. Yeah. You can be our Swedish correspondent. And I could do it in Swedish. Yeah. Yeah, that would be incomprehensible to me. <laughs> sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll podcast subtitle it. We'll just dub you over. But you might start, get, you might start getting a peak of listeners in Sweden. That would be exciting. To, I yeah. assume that one of your jobs you'll be doing there will be evangelizing this podcast and its lengthy yep. archive. Yeah. And telling them to listen to all the episodes where we talk about Sweden. Well, I spent a lot of time putting Film Chat on the Acast UK app, so I'll just do the same on the Swedish app. And there's a Have lot. They got their own s- app. Well, they've got their own kind of discovery for Swedish things. Oh, yeah. So I'll just put oh it on there. God. Put that. Put that. Why is it on there now? <laughs> Why is not... it on every country on earth? I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't translate to something really embarrassing in Swedish, though, does it? Film chat doesn't mean like booby <laughs> pants or something in Swedish. There's a lot of quite funny things like that. Okay, we that need to double check that. Right before we... <laughs> yeah, look into that. <laughs> I think film is film. Film is film. It's universal language. Hey, chat film is. is film. Uh, shit. So film shit, film shit. It's going to be a sort of Mailchimp type scenario. So have you have you seen like what are you going to be contributing <laughs> to this episode? <laughs> what have you seen lately? I've like, seen Incredibles you, too. Because we have our own plan. What else have I make. seen? Have you guys seen Revenge? No. no. Oh, okay. You That's can tell us great. about Revenge. I can tell you about Revenge. That's French. Okay. Cool. Uh, Do you have more to say about the film? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll put revenge. I'm just there. listing possibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I want to hear about it. I actually, I was considering going to see that movie at one time when I was just, you know, for podcasting duties, was looking up. I hear it was gory. Got to get the cinema. I heard it was gory. Yeah, was gory? I was in. A, I was in the screen two of the Rio Cinema. Um, oh, I've got a Rio Cinema membership that is going to expire in November. If anyone wants it. Give me that fucking there shit. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that membership right now. Yeah, and in screen two, there was 15 people and three people walked out. So that's like, what? That's like a, wow. was that like all a 20% loss. Together? Were they, were they a group? Yeah, they all went together. And I think okay. maybe someone was feeling more sick than the yeah, other two, but they kind of went solidarity with Solidarity walkout. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it's got, it's, it's Foley uh, audio goriness is visceral. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think if you're watching on a hot day like today, 
it a bit hot, it would be yeah, be, it would be it would, would be, be not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a slightly like hotter environment than uh, my bedroom where we normally record. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to get increasingly sweaty as the podcast goes on. <laughs> I just want to hear it. I just want people to be picturing, you know. Us starting off looking quite respectable. I, I, I thought you were going for some sort of like sex, like it's even a hotter environment than my bedroom. I thought you were going to segue into some sort of like sex boast. But yeah, it's know. always hot in your bedroom. We just all sit there naked. <clears throat> it's always hot in Sam's bedroom. We, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we fuck after every episode. Yeah, it's a pretty hot environment, but it's even hotter in here. Um, yeah, I just thought that you know people, it's like. It's just good practice, isn't it? That people should have a bit of a visual image to go sure. along with the audio. Yeah. Three people sitting around getting sweaty. <laughs> That's just what that, that, that be. little those beads of sweat getting that just go on the top of your yeah yeah top of your lip. Just that, that little lip sweat. So, Danny, this sexy uh, sweat podcast. What is what is it about? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what's about. So, film chat is a podcast set in the year twenty ninety eight. Los Angeles police detective Sam Foster and his new partner Danny Moran, a state-of-the-art crime-fighting robot cop, are tasked with recovering a runaway telepresence android containing the consciousness of Mayor Jacob's daughter, Katie Rogers, who is unaware that she is a human mind in a machine body. Sam does not trust machines due to a prior incident in which his partner was killed by an automated gun turret and maintains a tense, often sarcastic relationship with Danny. Sam and Danny are dispatched to The Zone, a quarantine section of LA devastated by an earthquake and a subsequent nuclear leak which has infected and mutated The Zone's residents. However, they are unaware that a number of their fellow LAPD officers are corrupt, working for Mayor Jacobs himself in a plan to provoke violence with the goal of justifying an invasion of The Zone and a termination of its residents. The corrupt cops are led by Sam's colleague, Sergeant Jones. Sam and Danny reach The Zone and trace Katie's cell phone, but have to be rescued by her when a bomb is planted on their car. She reveals to them that the Zone <laughs> residents are giving birth to healthy, mutation-free children, causing them to realise that the story about the nuclear leaks was a lie. En route to what they believe to be an extraction point, Sam and Danny and Katie realise that the lie about nuclear leakage was spread to manipulate land prices, and that the real source of disease is a food drop programme for which Mayor Jacobs has received many plaudits. Who or who isn't a robot? Can these free unlikeliest of people take down the government? Why didn't the makers of Robocop sue this film? All of these questions would be answered if this was a adaptation of the film Android Cop. This is in fact is a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran and join me, a man with the mind of a human and the body of a machine and a woman with the mind of a machine but the body of a human. Sam Foster and Kitty Rogers. Hello. On this episode, should you choose to listen to it, uh, you will hear Danny review Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth installment of this venerable but unnaturally healthy-looking action franchise. Interesting fact about this film, it actually had no studio funding. The entire budget <laughs> came solely from Tom Cruise's sense of self-belief. It just produced the money for the film. Surprising. I, meanwhile, will be reviewing the documentary Generation Wealth, which is currently available on Curzon Home Cinema. It's not very good, but it does contain the following memorable remark. I'd love to DJ for as long as I could use my fingers, but I'm also really into lizards. Uh, listen on to hear me put that <laughs> killer quote into context. Plus, Danny and I go over some of the very exciting trailers to come out of Comic-Con, although I couldn't probably get into any of them because I was just thinking about what the next Avengers film is going to be called. What's it going to be called? They haven't announced the title. It's coming out so soon. Um, we also discussed Disney's firing of James Gunn. The firing of James Gunn. Obvious bit of wordplay there. I'm not going to stoop to that. Uh, and we engage in that fun Muppets game. Everyone was talking about on Twitter. You've probably seen that game they, yeah, they were doing. We're going to do game. that. All that should leave just enough time for me to announce my latest film project. It's part of the next phase of Marvel movies after Infinity War 2, when they phase out Robert Jenny Jr. as Iron Man, are looking for a new Iron Man. Uh, my film introduces his replacement, Iron Musk, another eccentric billionaire who loves gadgets, except instead of being an arms manufacturer, he's a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He designs his first Iron Musk suit, in order to rescue a puppy stuck down a well, but then he gets stuck down the well in the suit, and then it explodes, killing him instantly and graphically. I think this is the character who can really carry the next 10 years of Marvel's films. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. I've always got to like, call the dog a pedo or something. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Because he, he crawled yeah. out of the well himself. <laughs> <laughs> and then he called the dog a pedo. He obviously does call the dog a pedo, and then he dies. <laughs> 
It's like at the end of Iron Man 1, he says, like, I am Iron Man. He just says, <laughs> you're a pedo. It's like, no, 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 The guy who really rescued the dog. That guy's a pedo. Bet you a signed dollar. It's true. Roll credits. that noise i'll explain it's delicious prosecco being opened by me uh we're, we're not celebrating but commiserating the departure of uh of the beloved katie rogers listen to the bubbles is this kind of sound design that you'll miss when i'm gone ah delicious delicious prosecco should I talk about what, like, some favourite film chat moments? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> sure, you want to reminisce? Yeah, yeah. yeah. reminisce. What, what, what's, what's your? What, well, I was, what have I you was thinking about this. So for me, and it's probably biased because it was the most input I had into any episode. Was definitely the episode where you guys went to Cannes, and we got to put the sound of the seagulls in. The most heavily produced of most episodes. heavily produced episode seventy-three. Something we shall not speak of because. Woody Allen was in it. Le- leaning heavily into the Woody Allen impression, which um, since, despite no new information coming out about him, <laughs> <laughs> the climate's changed. Uh, the, cli- the climate has changed, and we've realised that's unacceptable. And all the and all the Christmas episodes as well. I think the Christmas episodes are stand out. Those are a ton of fun. I love them. They they've got everything you love about Christmas: family time, food, yeah. presents, bickering. And it's I perfect. think, and I now mean, I know that Die Hard is the Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza. Ne- never going to forget that. Yeah. Who's going to ask I'll us write that question in, this I'll year? write in at Christmas <laughs> and just ask. That'll just be the question in the okay. email. Cheers. Cheers. Let's do it. Clink me. Thank you. A little plastic clink there. These aren't plastic. Aren't they? This is ACAS. This is the good shit. Oh, that's okay. It's satisfying. just got a dull, it's a dull clink. Yeah. Maybe you only get the real good clink with a crystal glass. Mm. That's probably what they have in the Swedish office. But yes. It's been some, it's been good. T- it's been a very long time. It has been an extremely long <laughs> it's time. It's been an extremely long it's been time. A long time. Were it's you both? Were you about to start singing the opening thing to Enterprise there? No. Uh, what? I don't know what you're talking but about. But it starts with "It's been a long time." <laughs> evening. What lyric. even is that? Is that the new Star Trek show? It was the Star Trek show from like the mid noughties which is famously really shit. All right. Okay. I say famously. Uh, I seem to be aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> We've definitely aged badly. Do you think so? No, what I think we've aged well. Or the show has. <laughs> what do you mean? If you were to go back to listen to an old one, uh, it would not hold up. I don't know. I don't. I'd like to see it as um, uh, it's just I'd, like a rolling, very present thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'd, you know, if it was up to me, it wouldn't be an archive. You'd only have the one that it would exist for one week and then it's yeah. gone, like yeah. a Snapchat. It'd be That's like it. a beautiful, fleeting moment. And you have to just hold the play button, and if you let go, it's gone. Yeah. That's it. Every episode is episode one, as far as I'm concerned. Well, funny enough, that's the new feature <laughs> on the Acast <laughs> app, where you can listen to something once. Hold play to not destroy what you're listening to right now. Yeah, and you have to, like, and even when your thumb gets sweaty, you have to keep it on there. And only the real fans will get through to the end. I think what Acast should be doing is weeding out all fans except the real fans. The real fans. Yeah. yeah. Re- reducing the le- listening figures as far as possible. Those who are firm of thumb. <laughs> um, Katie, would you? Fi- did you see the thing on Twitter? Everyone was saying mad I, about the Muppets thing. I'm female, so I stay away from Twitter. Fair enough. I Fair enough. Oh, Danny's got it. All right. The question uh, is, you can replace the cast of any movie with the Muppets but you keep one of the human actors. What movie and which human do you keep? Yeah, so we were sent this question by Olivia Waring, but it originally came from a reply to the Film Crit Hulk Twitter account run by Film Crit Hulk. Um, so um, why don't you have a think about that? Did you prepare any, Danny? 
I've got some, you know, well, I instantly tried to think of the most like graphic films. So <laughs> that was, was like, an interesting, but that wasn't my approach. So but. I was like, Nymphomaniac, just keep Charlotte Gainsbourg, but just, she's just fucking a, a, lot, of, <laughs> a lot of puppets. Because it'd, yeah. be, it'd be funny. That, yeah. would, that would be funny. Big I agree. cock. Big Is cock, yeah. <laughs> good good, good point there, Ain. It's only sad I've been on the uh, microphone this whole time, these past three years. <laughs> yep, big cock. What else you got? Or, or, or were you just were you referring to me and Sam as big cock? Like <laughs> well, a, I was. I wanted to say big muppet cock, but then I couldn't, couldn't insert that. It didn't quite happen. <laughs> it didn't quite happen. Um, I think taxi driver, but keep Harvey Keitel the same. <laughs> but now it's thinking because like making them the Muppets instantly sort of makes it into a kids movie, right? Or like takes the sting out whatever adult thing it's trying to do. So yeah. I think maybe just movies you find hard to watch are a bit unpleasant. I'd happily watch. I don't want to watch see the movie Room again, but if, if there's Muppets, if there's all Muppets, and then like the kid was just a kid, yeah, fine. I'm or, worried about seeing the sorrow and the pity now, but if yeah, they're yeah. all Muppets, yeah, exactly. Or just if you know, because the Room, there's just well, not the Room, Room. There's just a couple of characters, or you can think of movies with huge, amazing set pieces with thousands of thousands of people. Replace it with Muppets, it just look kind of. Funny. That's one of my gags. I've got that one. Yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Yeah. Everyone's a Muppet except just for some like elf or something. Yeah. <laughs> just, just some just, random... Uh... Uh, Brett McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Brett McKenzie. <laughs> Is he in that one? Yeah, he just yeah that's the one he's in. My lady. Or maybe that was the second one. I can't remember. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, whichever one he's in. Th- that one, and he's the only human in it. Because he's got that Muppets connection, so it's perfect. Um, I've also got Moon. Everyone's a Muppet except for Benedict Wong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was sort of thinking, like, just any film with Benedict Wong because he's always turning up and stuff, like, slightly unexpectedly. And I just like the idea that the whole Muppets thing spreads like a virus. Everyone, all movies turning into Muppet movies, except for Benedict Wong. He's still human. Uh, next suggestion, iBoy. Yeah. But Rory Kinnear's character is still human. I think that would be, make for a great film. With the classic line, she could light up the room with her hand jobs. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a gangster who knew the protagonist's mum. I think this is more of a serious one that I think would work yeah. really well. The Fast and the Furious franchise, but Ludacris is still... Just yeah. keep Ludacris. Because he's like he's always got the lines where, he, where he's like, Are you kidding me? That's crazy. It's impossible. This turn from Mission Impossible to Mission yeah, Freaking uh, Center. Is that Tyrese Gibson? That's Tyrese Gibson. Shit. Ludacris is just like the sort of, used to be mechanic, but it's now like Q from Bond or whatever. <laughs> okay. Like, he used to just be able <laughs> no, to fix like the, the car, tank, but like now he can guy. do anything. Oh, okay, shit. All right. I, I amend good, my suggestion a, to Tyrese Gibson. But that's a good theory, though, is in take an ensemble cast and take the most ridiculous member of the ensemble cast and leave them as human. So like Ocean's Eleven and Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that yeah. will work really well because mm-hmm. you, you want somebody who's going to give the biggest reactions to the Muppets. What? Yeah. Um, finally, my final suggestion: Anomalisa, except for Jennifer Jason Lee, Anomalisa herself. But they're all Muppets. <laughs> they're puppets now. But what if they were Muppets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. What if the, What if they were Muppets? What if they were Muppets? I guess that's the premise of the whole thing. Um, any Any more riffs on this? On this good uh, This good game. It's over to you, Katie. Last show, last appearance. <laughs> you better blow us away well, with this suggestion. Everything unprepared, but better. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's, well, that's why like, you're the pro. You ensemble get... sci-fi movies as well, because then it'll kind of have slightly silly-looking, like versions of like Kermit, but with like a uh, alien appendages on and things like that. Um, what, like the Thing or something? <laughs> yeah, the Thing, except the dog is the only is the only non-muppet yeah. object yeah, <laughs> or there animal. You go. Yeah. How do you do the blood testing scene with the mother? <laughs> that would actually be quite funny. It's just like felt. Just... Yeah. Oh, well, so re- this is boring, but Reservoir Dogs and then with like Steve Buscemi, again, just the most ridiculous character in an ensemble. I think, it, yeah, wait, it should be, um, yeah, because he's the uh, the rat, isn't he? Yeah. No. Wait, who's the, I know it's like Tim Roth. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Tim Roth should be. Spoiler sorry, alert. Sorry if you Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> it's too late. It's like that movie seen, uh, in Sixth Reservoir Sense. Dogs. Yeah, no, point. it should be Tim Roth because he would he just stand out. Yeah. I think it would ruin, <laughs> I think it would be funny because it would ruin the twist. He could be the rat. <laughs> <laughs> Which of us is someone who isn't what he says he is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. 
So it was Comic Con last weekend, where all the nerds of the world gather in a big hangar somewhere <laughs> and to get and excited, scream and, weep. scream and weep. And it was kind of interesting year because Marvel stayed away mm-hmm. because they're not announcing anything because they're too busy killing all their characters or not or whatever's happening. Building up the suspense. Building up the suspense. That's what a great artist does and that studio is a great artist. But uh, the best thing about Comic Con is that they release all the trailers for big movies and you decide whether they're going to look great or even better than you even anticipated. (laughs) So Warner Brothers, now that Marvel wasn't there, they had a chance to, you know, dominate the conversation and basically I feel like every movie that DC Warner Bros. Fingers like this is the one that's going to course correct and so the movie <laughs> Aquaman has got a lot of writing on it now um, and I think people were generally looking forward to this one a bit more because James Wan's directing and he's got a pretty solid track record and you could you know you could do something with that concept the trailers come out and uh, it's terrible I just, have you seen the Aquaman trailer? so no, amused no, by no. it it's, it's, it's very funny. It's like it's very much like the it's it's basically what you'd expect extrapolating from how his character is presented in the Justice League movie as this uh, sort of dude ultra bro. dude bro guy, yeah, uh, big shaggy beard, loads of tattoos and stuff. He's just sort of coolest guy around, always saying yeah. It's and the sexy man from Game of Thrones. It is the sexy man from Game of Thrones. Jason Who's married Momoa. to Lisa Bonet? Um, basically, yeah. it's like a sort of shit Thor. Uh, it's like, what, what if he went to underwater instead of space? Exactly. And there's a lot of CGI in the movie, as you, there obviously has to be, but it doesn't look like it's completely finished. Very bombastic. His, like, character... I think my favorite bit is when he looks like, there's some evil submarine or something, and he's, like, sort of bursts in. He's like, permission to come aboard. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, this, he's smirking every line. And then at yeah. the end, like, Amber Heard jumps out of a plane for some reason, and he's like, redheads. <laughs> you, you gotta love him. Yeah, that was. Didn't they just rip off the line from uh, uh, the Winter Soldier, where it's like, didn't didn't did he have a parachute? Yeah, it was the same thing, right? Where it's like, did she have a parachute? Yeah. Redheads, redheads. What are you gonna do about him? Which is ripping off Days and Confused. Which is, mm. is there a redheads line? In Matthew got it. It's the redheads. I love them redheads. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's just two, those two horribly creepy, and all all of three examples weird and creepy. I got a question about. This character, Aquaman, he's got a huge beard and he's got massively shaggy hair. So he should be a fucking bear of a man, but he's got a perfectly smooth baby's ass of a lower, you know, the rest of his body below the neck. So what the fuck? He should have, he should be covered in fucking hair. That's, you know, his head is human and his body is is his, what fish his, man his fish like, man yeah hairless fish man yeah it's like yeah exactly his... i just don't buy that this this dude who spends his entire time like in the sea fishing uh would also wax his chest and yet that is apparently what we're supposed to believe and i don't believe it for one second yes. he should have a huge hairy chest and a big fucking bush maybe he swims poking out <laughs> <his trousers. laughs> bush. maybe he swims so quickly that it just it just you know, like tears the hairs off him as he yeah, goes. Well, technically, he would hair. be beard. Like, he should, no should be fucking be bald. bald entirely. Like. <laughs> yeah, with like a with like a pointy head that's been worn down by the. Yeah, he should have an aerodynamic <laughs> skull that's been. <laughs> <laughs> like the cable from the descent or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he like a fucking cone like. head. But then they wouldn't Bullshit. be able to sell. They wouldn't be able to sell that as a kind of. I think it's a good. It's an opportunity to bring back the hairy fucking, you know, man as the thing. Yeah, hairy fucking. (laughs) Well, Marvel, Marvel and DC, they're all about diversity these days, which is good. So why not bring the bring Bring the bear back? Bring back, bring the bear back. Not everyone is a twink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Bring the bear back. Hashtag, bring back the bears. (laughs) (laughs) The other big news uh, trailer that came out was the trailer for Glass. This the Shyamalan. Yeah, I gotta say, universe. it did not do a good job of explaining what the hell's going on in this film. Do you see Split, Katie, where James McAvoy plays? Oh no, Acast did a did a series of trailers for that across our oh, film category, and it sounded not good. Well, did they didn't work on you? They didn't no. make you see the movie. No. So in Split, uh, he's like a. It's kind of set up like a horror movie about a guy who's got split personality disorder and kidnaps people, and then like he's got an evil personality which is vying for control over his less evil ones. Oh yes, no, I do remember the trailer for this now because I'll always give McAvoy. Will I? I used to always. I <laughs> always used to always give McAvoy, McAvoy the time of day, but now I feel like he's made a lot of doo doo. He has a lot made of bad some movies. Uh, but then the kind of here's the twist. I'm going to spoil the end of t- uh, Split for you. Spoiler you, alert! If you don't want to know, spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um. 
it kind of in the end it turns out that he's trying to like physically transform himself into a kind of superhuman called the beast who's just like can crawl on walls and is incredibly superhumanly strong and then the final kind of kicker at the end of the movie uh is that it takes place in the same world as the movie unbreakable and bruce willis is seeing some tv news about the beast and but he is also you know a beast in a way because he's like superman he has superman's powers um and uh so this new movie glass is coming out which is a kind of uh crossover with split and unbreakable and glass being the villain of uh unbreakable samuel jackson's character it's not the spoiler for that movie if you haven't seen it <laughs> um i'm when he said movie glass i thought of samuel jackson unbreakable well there you go he's the that's, glass man he's mr glass that's who he is so now it's it's so for the sequel to Split, which was a kind of kidnap horror film, is going to be a sort of superhero standoff film, which is very unusual, I would say. A film which looks like it won't have the tone of either of its predecessors, but will instead be a kind of superhero film. Well, it is weird, and it's like it's my genius trilogy, which I made one film, and then like fifteen years later, I made the next one, and then the year after that, I made the final part. It's just like I don't know. I question whether he really had this plot out, but. Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Do you think he looks back at his old better movies and just just looks and goes like, what what happened? Well, he's trying to. I think he's trying to tap into uh, old acclaimed Shyamalan by yeah. inserting like an extended universe kind of connection to his old better liked films, and, and thus doing so by definition creating shit Shyamalan movies because that's yeah, it's, it's a, not a good approach. It's not a good approach. His next one's going to be some like a sequel like to both The Last Airbender and The Sixth Sense. <laughs> it turns out they're set in the same the Seventh Airbender, <laughs> and then Mel Gibson turns up at the end and. Uh, throws yeah. water on everyone and they, die. <laughs> and they all die they're all the aliens they're all the aliens, they're all the aliens from science um, yeah but what did you make of it Danny are you looking forward to Glass well I really enjoy Samuel Jackson I think I feel like he really like chews up the scenery and I feel like it's a shame it's a mistake putting James McAvoy in the same screen time as him <laughs> because like he's just outclassed by like a performance by everyone else. Yeah, I feel like Bruce Willis is like magnificent and unbreakable. He's kind of been sleepwalking in a bunch of roles recently, but I think he's really good in that movie. And Bruce Willis can definitely act. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a, I don't know what the last good movie he was in. Maybe Moonrise Kingdom. That's oh, yeah. a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, he's good in it, but it's also it's not exactly a taxing role for him, you know. Yeah, like it's, it's been a while since he's really had to act. Do yeah, do real exactly. But I just, you know, I'd much rather just see a straight sequel to Unbreakable than have McAvoy's character sort of like just doing his like, I'm a little kid now. I'm a, you know, like, or like, just does, <laughs> I'm like, an old woman. Yes. Yeah, yes. Oh, I'm quite posh. Mm, that, yeah. that sort of thing. It's just a real like kind of Amdram like audition reel like performance. <laughs> it's yeah. very funny. It is very funny to be honest. Um, I feel like being on that set as well is like, you know, a best boy grip or like whatever and just watching this actor just go like, hello, just doing all these voices must have been slightly like, I, I hope this, cringe and juicy. yeah, I hope this turns out better in the edit. Yeah. And it didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued, but not, not as excited as the internet seems to be. Um, the final trailer that I watched from Comic-Con was the new trailer for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 2. Ooh. The Trials of Johnny Depp. Oh, no. What's he doing in a movie? What is he doing in it? It still looks bad. I don't really have much else to say about it. They're doing a lot of that kind of apparating thing uh, where, you know, they appear and disappear. That effect happens about eight million times during the trailer. Uh, and I don't know. It did not does not intrigue me. And I don't like Depp both because of his real-life crimes and uh, the <laughs> fact that he's a shit actor now. What about Jude Law? Do you buy him as young Dumbledore? I don't. I just don't feel at all any like views on it whatsoever. It's like, fine, whatever. Yeah. I did like the way the trailer was presented. It was like the shot of Hogwarts. Like, Hogwarts is like, I swear the last Harry Potter movie wasn't that long ago. Like, it's yeah. on rotation on TV. Back to Hogwarts. Pretty much all the time. I don't know. But do you, do you think it's just a sign of our age? Like, we're just... If I was a young Harry Potter fan, I'm like, oh, new Harry Potter thing coming out, I'd be like super excited. But now I'm just like, we we were young Harry we, Potter fans. Exactly. Yeah. We had to wait for the books. You know, we were the original. We're the, we, we are the fans. We it's, are the it, fans. It, it, it should, it's aimed at us. Same. It's us. being aimed at kids now. You know, that's a mistake. It should be aimed at us still. Do you think Johnny Depp is? Because the reason I'm asking this question is, have you guys seen the trailer for the man who killed Don Quixote? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, like, I remember watching the documentary about that um, production falling apart, you know, a very long time ago. And now what's cool is obviously they've got, uh, what's the guy from the Brazil? 
guy from Brazil. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price having Jonathan Price come back for a Gillian movie, and then Adam Driver, Driver. who's just a just a I just really like him. Being in that role is great. So it's almost like we could just start going back and just erasing Johnny Depp out of cinema. Right, yeah. By just yeah. replacing him with different actors. I'd happily watch any recent Johnny Depp performance replaced by Adam Driver. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It. He's quite Johnny Deppy in that he's a very handsome man, but kind of has strange mannerisms and doesn't want to be handsome and wants to be taken seriously. Off so beat. Yeah, he could just go back and just and do... I agree entirely. He's so cool. Yeah. If they were if they were able to uh, redo all the money in the world and replace Spacey with like you know one week's notice, they can do that with Depp's films. Yeah, and and like Spacey can still act. So they, in all cases, it would produce a better film if mm-hmm. you just replaced Johnny Depp with someone else. <laughs> Somebody's not having like a massive breakdown. You gotta do some crime, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see that movie. I'm just so amused by the trailer. I think we should watch Mass. it. We should have a double bill. We should watch the the uh, Snowman and Black Mass. Just my suggestion. Also, I feel like <laughs> what we should do. I feel like because I've been away from film chat for so long, I've been in a lot of planes, a lot of a lot of airports recently. I've taken a lot of flights, and there's always oh, right. that. <laughs> but no, but there's this haunting that perfume ad with Johnny Depp in, oh, sad where, he, so where he just so looks bad. lost and he's burying his fucking and bangles and exactly, bracelets. Exactly, yeah. And that's always playing. I, w- I will walk through. I, I can be in Abu Dhabi or Sydney. Or Stockholm. Oh, here we get it. You travel a lot. <laughs> and he'll just be there looking sad and confused. could be the peak of confused. the Burj Dubai. <laughs> or the, the monument having valley. having lunch of the Pope. <laughs> As they've had one glass of champagne. That's fucking one. Right, one guy in somewhere. Yeah, he can't um, escape the Sauvage Man. Yeah, it's, and it's really not... It's really sad. I don't think so Sauvage is a very good name for a perfume he's advertising when he's got a history of domestic violence. Yeah. No, that's probably not the worst thing about it. <laughs> anyway. Um. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. More news. James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, was uh, rather abruptly fired by Disney after um, some tweets came to light that he'd sent that were in rather bad taste. Uh, Have you read the tweets, Sam? I have. I've read the tweets, and I was... Pretty oh. like, well, oh. I wouldn't say they're, they're fireably not, well, they're not bad. Really, they're not really like jokes. They're just kind of offensive statements, I guess. They're like, they're like, just dumb comments a slightly witless person would say. It yeah. makes it like it, they're just sort it, of stupid and unfunny and offensive. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're particularly surprising. My perception of James Gunn has not changed that much given these tweets because I feel like the Guns the Galaxy movies are full of like slightly lowest common denominator humor and punchlines and tracks like if i'm gonna do a turd in your pillow and it's like i have large turds and that's like yeah Later on tonight you're gonna be laying down there's gonna be something squishy in your pillowcase and it's gonna be because i put a turd in there you put your turd in my bed i shave you oh it won't be my turd it'll be drax's <laughs> i have famously huge turds there was that five-minute riff on taser face in the yeah uh, exactly volume two which um, was but it's deeply unfunny I don't know. It reminds me of like, you know, we went to an all, bo- all boys school and like basically all the humor was about wanking or like being a pedo or something. And it's like, well, James Gunn James strikes Gunn. me as the man of this a mind. This would have fucking pick. killed in my sick form common room. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not sick form. Year nine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's definitely true. But the way it came about is quite amusing, I think. So he was, he was, the, the tweets were dug up by this guy, Mark, Mike Sinovich, who is a, is a kind of alt-right uh, YouTube personality, right? He's like a he styles himself as an independent journalist or something like that. Big fan of Pizzagate. Yeah, like a total crank and a and an idiot. Totally fucking nuts. Totally totally nuts. And like, why did he t- turn his ire on James Gunn? So it came about because uh, Mark Duplass of the Duplass Brothers of the sort of indie filmmaking powerhouse that were like in every single indie movie uh, that has ever made. He tweeted this like quite comically naive tweet about like, hey, if you want to follow somebody who's got a different opinion to you. 
I really recommend Ben Shapiro. I don't agree with what he says, but he's always so measured and calm. Whatever. Seriously, that it's is really that. And then like, everyone's got this problem, and everyone's like, Ben Shapiro is completely insane. He's like, just yeah. a bigot. It's a massive racist and horribly right way. Exactly. And then James Gunn tweeted in support of like Mark uh, Duplass, saying like, uh, you know, I don't like Ben Shapiro, but I admire the effort to you know hands across the aisles or whatever. Some like, and then like that prompted him like after that he went on a massive tirade about Trump and rushed emails, which I think he does most days anyway. But he became a put a target on his back for these right wing trolls. So they decided to do what they always do, which is a trail. But it sounds like he was defending Mark, who was defending Ben Shapiro. So. But he was all defending his uh, outlook of just trying to be more open minded. Yeah. But for Ben Shapiro, wasn't the man to go to. I don't know. It's yeah. like it's all. But the trolls, did, the trolls didn't like it. Yeah, the trolls reason. didn't like it. So they dug up these old tweets of his like stupid shock humor. Which like is quite consistent with his filmography. I think in the movie Super, like Ellen Page rapes Rain Wilson, like lol, lol. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, and they became this whole thing of like, oh, they you know they fire Roseanne, but like they won't fire James Gunn, and it feels like Disney very quickly caved to the court of public opinion, which was heavily dictated by these right wing nut jobs. So yeah. it's like, what the fuck, Disney? Like, yeah, I mean. Balls. I uh, I mean I don't really care, but like, <laughs> and but it just feels like it didn't feel like it was a fireable offense. Like it hasn't done anything. It's like if he gets fired over some tweets, like they'd still hire Johnny Depp for the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Right? Absolutely, he's actually got you know sailed out of court for like he's a domestic abuser. So I, well, I definitely think that they shouldn't be working with Johnny Depp. I'm kind of like somewhat agnostic about the James Gunn thing. Um, I mean it, what. It gives me the impression that he pissed someone off and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's like, just an excuse. If, I feel like if he was really well-liked inside Disney, they would have just ridden it out. It's like, what are the trolls going to do? You know, just give it two weeks, then we'll give a shit. Yeah, yeah. He can just, you know, take time off Twitter or whatever and it will be fine. I feel like he must have rubbed something up the wrong way or he annoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, didn't make enough money or, you know, probably it was something like that and they were like, they didn't really care about seeing the back of him. Um, and probably use this as which is which is actually worse because it's like really cynical to do that. And if you don't want to work with him again, just hire someone else for the third Guardians movie, and don't use some like dumb tweets that he sent ten years ago. Well, the first Guardian movie, which I would say is much better, was was originally written by this woman Nicole Perlman. Nicole Perlman. I think she's called Nicole Perlman. But and like it feels like she was quickly like, written out of the history of Guardians of the Galaxy like James Gunn created this all of his crazies only James Gunn well, he really, zany imagination he really insisted that he didn't keep almost anything from her script as well yeah I, you I know, know how, true that how is, do but. you not keep anything from a script you just go into filming and go let's make it up guys <laughs> well I think improv well, his story about it was just like the tone of her script was really really different but you know so the characters were basically the same and he was like this has got to be fun it's got to be a fun adventure so he added all the hilarious like jokes and you know and that's why it was here. Um, but obviously that was his telling the story, so it's quite flattering um, to himself. But, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think people should... They, you shouldn't just use some sort of random uh, flare-up uh, online to, like, as a reason to get rid of somebody if you're looking for a reason to do it anyway. At the same time, he was, like, in his 40s, and they are, like... I don't know. I just... It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not a good they're, attitude. They're embarrassing. They're, they're really embarrassing. I mean, he had And this... he's not that good, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not that... First, they came for James Gunn, and it's I so, said it's not nothing. Like, it's not like he's got, then... he got sent to prison or whatever. It's just he can't make the third of his Guardians of the Galaxy films. It's like, whatever. Just replace him with someone you, else. You can't draw a line between his, like, shock Twitter, like, kind of creativity to his, like, being an auteur, you know? If it was, like, someone who was really good filmmaking, then those tweets would probably have been funnier. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really That's matter. That's true, yeah. Way. Your movies would be better and your offensive <laughs> gags would be good. Would, would would You'd be able to back it up with the principle of free speech rather than, well, eh, this is kind of shit. Yeah, maybe they just hire someone better to make the third with the film. And it better would, shocking it. tweets that really make you think. Just get, you know, get like Frankie a, Ball or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get Ricky Gervais in there. Some good transphobic humor and Guardians. Get Ricky free. Gervais to co-direct and write it with Count Dankula. Make a proper film. Yeah. I mean, it's a Black Mirror <laughs> episode called like Everything You Ever Said, where just people will be able to just go back through the annals of all the stupid jokes you've made. 
I saw a story that Ryan Johnson had deleted 20,000 tweets after James Gunn got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he did it or he hired some How many some rape jokes did you make, Ryan? Jesus. Uh, I feel like it should just be good practice for any public figure. Why does yeah. he have tweets that are 10 years old still up? Like it's, I think it's just... a bit dumb of him to have not gotten rid of them. Yeah. If Twitter just had a button that deleted after 30 days, we'd all have a shorter memory. I went through my tweets, my old tweets recently, not prompted by James Gunn, but my MP followed me on Twitter. And I was like, maybe I should, you know, check to see if I've said anything, you know, bad um, in case he decides to like trawl through my archive or something. <laughs> um, and so I was literally just searching like swear words and, and my own name to see like what, you know, rude things I tweeted. And the worst thing that uh, that I tweeted was like before this is before threading. You could like uh, thread your tweets so yeah. you could see the context for any tweet. And I was at university and um I decided for some reason to just start tweeting out any like just the random shit that people had been carving in boredom into the desks like I was like in the library or something and people just were sort of carving like random slogans into desks and stuff and I was just tweeting them out one after the other one of them was just fuck Gaza <laughs> so I found some tweet from me from definitely like, get you five it's like from like October 2012 no context for whatsoever in capital letters it just says fuck Gaza and I was like why the fuck did I tweet this and I had to sort of look back at the date to see what else I was tweeting yeah yeah jeez but uh you could have been off Guardians 3 with a tweet like that yeah I deleted my fuck Gaza tweets I just want to <laughs> make it clear that I don't want to fuck Gaza so that's not my that's not a view I hold and or have ever held Anyway, uh, here's to James Gunn. R.I.P. <laughs> Gunn, but not forgotten. <laughs> and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Mission Impossible Fallout. Tom Cruise broke every bone in his body making it, but he's <laughs> he's reached the release date. So, the plot. Is there any point? So, there's some plutonium's gone missing. He's got to recover it. And this involves uh, Solomon Kane. The, no, Solomon Lane, is it? Solomon, Solomon Kane, Kane is, is the James Pearl Pearl Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Solomon Lane, I believe it is. Yeah. Sean Harris is sort of even that guy from the first movie is back yeah he sounds a little bit like the uh, that, that Monster Inc uh, slug character <laughs> Mike Wazowski <laughs> Mike Wazowski yeah so he's back he's sort of the nominal villain and uh, basically at the start of the movie Ethan has to choose between one person's life or recovering the plutonium and the ramifications of that choice means he feels a lot of guilt is weighing on him and also the CIA forced him to have this character Walker, played by Henry Cavill's moustache, and also Henry Cavill, who's like is sort of like <laughs> kind of watching his back the whole movie, and uh, you know explosions and running and jumping and all sorts. Here's a clip. What do you think you're doing, Erica? It may be your mission, but this is the CIA's plane. It doesn't take off without my say so. We need reliable intelligence, and so we need it now. Uh, this scenario is precisely why the IMF exists. The IMF is Halloween, Alan. A bunch of grown men in rubber masks playing trick-or-treat. And if he had held on to the plutonium in Berlin, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And his team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. And that's why I want one of my own men on the scene to appraise the situation. Agent Walker, special activities. His reputation precedes. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. My man goes where no one goes. I, I have a question. You have a question? Let's start this review. You have a question from Katie. <laughs> I have a question. question. I have a question. What is Tom Cruise's hair like? Because I feel his hair is very important to it's, the... Uh, it's shorter than the last one. Three rounds. Is it one or is it two or is it three? Very... Of, of the Mission Impossible movies? Yeah. Short back and sides of one. The kind of greasy... Oh, I'd say it's three. Three. Okay. Get, he got it together for three. He yeah. stayed with that one. Okay. And then it got a bit longer in four and five. Good look for him, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, solid look. Nice. So, this movie, I would say it's come up with a lot of hype. It's got a lot of five-star reviews. A lot of people said it's the best action movie since Mad Max Fury Road. I would say it's not. Uh, it's, I would say it's very similar to the previous one, and which itself is quite similar to... The fourth one. fourth one. It feels like there's a kind of 
line in the sand in the movies where like ghost protocol onwards it's like it's all about the crazy stunts and the new stories building up to the movie very influenced by uh the fast and furious franchise if you ask me yeah it's like or they've influenced each other yeah it's like we've got a, a series of crazy shit and we got to you know string that together into a plot and i would say it's very well made very slick and has all you know the stunts and explosions you want but you'd struggle to remember what the plot is i'm struggling to remember and i saw it a few hours ago and like there's a bit this is like a, a tiny spoiler so tune out if you want to go in completely fresh but there's a bit like early on we for some reason he has to go meet an arms dealer and the arms dealer is so powerful that she's watching all the airports so he has to parachute into paris which obviously you, you don't have it's just so there's a whole action sequence just him like just getting getting somewhere you know what i mean yeah but like i think that's the movie incarnate in a way which is like why not have this insane thing where you learn how to parachute for years and have to attach an imax camera to a stuntman he probably died making yeah it. yeah the whole movie is an excuse for itself and you know it just exists because tom cruise has got this daredevil streak to him and he you know loves to entertain people and i think I didn't like it as much as the previous one because it tries to give a bit more emotional weight, which the film can't quite carry. And tonally, it kind of has these kind of quite serious moments. But at the same time, it's quite winking in that the nature of the film is a bit fourth wall breaking because Tom Cruise will like do anything to entertain an audience in the same way Ethan Hunt <laughs> will do anything to save the day. Yeah. And like the bit in the trailer were like, what's he doing? And Simon Pegg's like, I find it best not to look could like apply to any day on set it feels like what's tom doing he's like that's right he's done something even crazier so it kind of ping-pongs in a way which i don't think is totally successful another thing i thought was a problem with the film was that it's two and a half hours long and that is too long for the kind of film it is and basically anything that isn't an action sequence is sort of exposition that leads to another action sequence and so there's just not that much enjoyment and watching like simon Pegg and ving rames hang out you know they're not that interesting yeah. characters they're basically the same character right they, they perform the same function in the movies they're both good with computers but like for some reason simon Pegg turned up at one point in the franchise <laughs> and they like phased ving rames out but they phased him back in but you know it's ostensibly an action film and it does deliver on the set pieces as it's been advertised and the focus on practical effects really pays off and it is uh like very well made I don't know, like... Well, like I really whole... liked... I did really like the fifth one. So the fact that it's kind of like the fifth one... Yeah. You know, means I'll probably enjoy it. I think you will. I think you will. And I do like how... The same with the fifth one is like... There's a bit more Tom Cruise is like willing to show his age. On one hand, he's like, I'm an insane badass who can do everything. But at the same time, I think Rogue Nation had this and Fuller has it where like... He's good at taking a punch. There's a sort of insane like bathroom fight where like he's like really winded and like he's just sort of staggering about. It's like, hey, give me a second here it's before I you know yeah, deliver yeah. my lethal blows. And that's the I've, one where Henry Cavill reloads his arms. That's the one who reloads his arms. <laughs> uh, the cast are really good. I really like Vanessa Kirby, who apparently is in The Crown, a show I don't watch, but she plays like a sort of sexy arms dealer. And every line she has is exposition, but she sort of plays as this like insane femme fatale who's like in love with Ethan Hunt. But I thought she kind of stole the show. When she like disappeared from the movie, I was like, why isn't she the villain? Because uh, Sean Harris is quite menacing, but he spends most of the movie just like in a glass cage, as all villains do these days. It's a classic villain location. <laughs> well, not a glass cage, but he's always like a bit in prison, just being this Machiavellian guy. It's like, that's right, I meant to be in prison for five years, all it's part of my master move. plan. The only move. glass cage that's ever made sense is Magneto's glass cage because he, it ca- physically cannot be metal. That's a, all the other ones excuse, are mad. Excuse me, that's a plastic prison. <laughs> uh, that's, see-through. That is, that's see-through, clear see-through. plastic. It's not a glass cage. Nothing like the Skyfall thing or whatever. And I, thought, I also thought that Henry Cavill was like really well cast as like a boring version of Tom Cruise's character. He's like the CIA's version of Ethan Hunt. It's like this sort of middle management grey guy of a bad tash. Like Henry Cavill is like he should be a movie star, but he just doesn't have it. You know, he's kind of handsome and built, but he's just like he just doesn't have it's it. It's just boring. It's just boring. So he's kind of well cast as like what, what would if even if Ethan Hunt was boring, what would he look like? And it's like Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. You know, another very worthwhile addition to the Mission Impossible franchise, probably on a par with the previous one. I'm sure make another one, and he, you know, literally kill himself. <laughs> is so? And is I do Tom think, Cruise a good actor? 
Yeah. Okay. And I do think they kind of get better the older he is because it becomes more impressive. There's a bit where, like, <laughs> the whole running sequence, the one when she broke his foot, is, like, really good because he, like, he really turns on the running. There's, like, those long shots of him, like, really, like, pumping the ground. And it's like, fucking hell, look at him go. He's, like, 56. And it's almost like you're, I'm just enjoying it in a meta way. It's like, I'm not really rooting for the character. I'm rooting for Tom Cruise's ankle. It's, it's like, like the good version of The Revenant. Yeah. Well, you see the guy actually do it, but instead of eating a liver and throwing up, he's just like running about, running and jumping. Like, that's well, the much thing is, better. like, he still had a broken ankle for like when he was resuming shooting. Yeah. He's like, he had a, bro- he did all these running when he's like, he's like, I'll usually do like 50 takes, but I just like did like, you know, 40 this time because I had a broken <laughs> ankle. I was like, You're insane, but. Uh, Doesn't beat Jackie Chan's broken ankle. But he is like the closest thing. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the West, fact that you're Western talking Jackie about him Chan. in the same breath means that Tom Cruise at least is doing. Something mad? Yeah, and I do think he's he's super charismatic. You know, you put a camera on the guy and he's he's a movie star. And he he has a lot of value for money. You know, you get your money's worth of these movies, I would say. He's kept out of the tabloids for a while as well now. He's not mad anymore. He's probably, yeah. He's probably still mad, but he's got a better PR agent. So, go see it. Go and give Tom some of your money. I'm going to fucking see it. I want to. I'll see it in Sweden. I might go tomorrow. And they don't dub their movies because they speak immaculate English. <laughs> My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. And the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Um, Sam, did you see a ridiculous action film? Yeah, I did, but it's just a documentary for uh, cerebral types like myself. Who don't I found it thrilling. <laughs> I found it thrilling. For me, that is action. Uh, it's a film called Generation... The synapses of my brain exploding <laughs> as I watch this film. That is true action. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, I was not able to see Mission Impossible Fallout because it was out today and uh, I was at work. Um, so I had to find another movie to watch and I was just browsing Curzon Home Cinema settled on this documentary called Generation Wealth it's directed by uh, Lauren Greenfield who's a photographer he's been working for many years and according to the Generation Wealth website this constitutes a multi-platform project she's been working on for about 10 years now it was a museum exhibition she released a kind of photographic book uh, and it is also a documentary film and it consists of a variety of first person interviews and loads of photographs that she's taken and it kind of documents in a very broad way a kind of multiple decade story of american wealth it's kind of connected in a loose theme of uh, wealth and consumerism essentially and it's slightly hard to describe and one of the problems is that it's a very scattershot movie that does not have a strong kind of through line to it uh, partly consists of her catching up with people who she had photographed like 25 years previously uh, in the part of la where she grew up um, and many of whom were like they're like young rich kids. She's got quite a well-off background, and a lot of the kids who she knew at school were um, obsessed with uh, signifiers of wealth and money. And she sort of catches up with them twenty-five years down the line and sees how they turn out and whether they've changed their perspectives on these matters. She also speaks to um, uh, other figures, like a couple of hedge fund psychos and um, a, a woman who's like a sex worker, like worked in the porn industry, and someone who's like a VIP hostess and various people who've um, some way been touched by either extreme wealth or the desire to be wealthy or to uh, look different or to participate in some kind of like um, modified version of the American dream, which is extra decadent. It's also partly about herself making the project. It's one of those like, oh, God. Ins- I know it's a bit of a, it's one of the problems with the film. Definitely. It's got a bit of that like BBC documentary thing of like, so I've come here to, to find out sure, why sure, the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it goes one step further by having like interviews with her children, husband and parents. Um, and it's like partly about like the process of her doing the project because she's kind of from this area herself. So it's sort of very personal to her. And she also occasionally cuts away to like an academic guy who just says stuff about global capitalism that kind of like is attempt to kind of tie it all together in some kind of theoretical way. And I just found it pretty annoying. The whole outlook of the film is very irritating. It's it's saying a lot of uh, basically not incorrect, but just rather trite things about how uh, America is obsessed with money and it's very consumerist and materialist and people get unrealistic body, you know, uh, expectations and it causes body image issues and uh, you know all this kinds of stuff like stuff that you wouldn't expect at all it's basically like the the completely surface level things you would imagine you would the impressions you would get if you went out and spoke to a bunch of ultra rich uh, Americans or normal 
Americans who want to be really rich or poor Americans who bankrupt themselves because they want pub, uh, plastic surgery, as in one uh, woman's case. So it's just a really, it's kind of an odd movie in a way. It kind of like wanders from one place to another and it has, uh, the, the voiceover kind of compounds the issue because it's all done this kind of like, uh, she's always saying things like, and as I was looking over my photographs, I realized that money doesn't really make you happy. You know, it's all like things what? like that. Um, that just do not seem like particularly uh, deep observations. Um, some of the characters who she turns up are quite entertaining. She's obviously uh, tried to find some particularly sort of extreme or uh, sort of wild examples of American life. And I quite enjoy this one woman who's like a hedge fund multi-millionaire, possibly billionaire, who is just very glassy-eyed, terrifying woman. And she kind of follows her as she attempts to... Um, uh, have a baby but she's a bit too old too and then um she ends up having a surrogate mother who like has her baby for her uh but she's just very just like a very intense and bizarre person who's absolutely obsessed with money in a way that's like quite amusing um there's one bit where she's talking so she eventually does have the kid and um she's talking about being a new mother and and saying how it's changed her priorities and she's like uh you know i always take uh, phoebe or whatever she's called to school every day and uh and I don't spend as much on modern art and now I spend it on the ballet instead. So that's a big difference, like ballet lessons. Uh, and uh, I only don't take her to things when there's no value add. And I was like, you you are completely psychotic. <laughs> and it sort of meanders its way through the financial crisis as well, touches on that. And it's just like, there's too much going on. She has no idea what she's saying. Yeah, it sounds like she's got no perspective. Well, it kind of, it talks about how, in during the movie she talks about how like, she's got her assistant who's helping her work through like, uh, half a million photos or whatever and it kind of feels like that the movie itself where you know I had half a million interviews and I've just kind of cobbled it all together and given it a bit of emotional heft by speaking to my own mum uh, so yeah just a bit of a like damp squib I imagine the, the the book of photography is probably better because it's just like photographs and she's a professional photographer and some of them are quite striking um, and you can draw your own conclusions from the images of extreme wealth in America um, whereas when she tries to add her in commentary to it, it's just a bit ham-fistedly done. She's not a professional filmmaker. She's a professional photographer. And I feel like that kind of shows. You <laughs> that's, know, that's your summary of the, like, of the movie. Yeah, like, I'm sure the photographs are good, you know, but her, um, her attempt to weave them into a documentary narrative is really unsuccessful. And I thought it was a shame because I was like, oh, I think that there's too much inequality in the world. Maybe this will give me some good, you know, it'll be some like, Things to shake my fist at. A big good rant or whatever. Something to shake my fist at. Some good villains. There's a few of those. uh, But the overall uh, product is a bit hapless. Fine. Okay. Won't be watching that then. Yeah, well, you probably weren't going to watch it anyway. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need to. Good. (laughs) Good. Shake a fist at other things. Yeah. The news. When Zach heard something that changed his life, what he listened to. When John Cusack made a mixtape for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? And when Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Katie... The floor is yours. <laughs> oh, and finally, and finally, shall I review something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us uh, about, what revenge. about revenge. Yeah, tell us about revenge. About revenge. Yeah. Well, I'll try and not tell you too much because I went into this movie. So I, uh, Rio Cinema in Dalston does a five pound showings on Mondays, which is great, and you should go because this is your membership. Cinema. Right? Or is yeah. This, well, or it's, do they it's do it anyway? six pounds for non-members, okay. five pounds for members. So if you go to the nine o'clock showing, there'll always be something on. So I went to the nine o'clock showing, I went to screen two, which seats about 15 people, uh, and it was showing Revenge, and I just didn't know what it was, but I quite liked the poster, and we're into it. And I think that's kind of, I think, a good way of going into this movie, and because it wasn't too widely advertised, I think there's an opportunity to actually go and enjoy a movie without knowing much about it. So I'll try and not go into too much detail, which will make this quite quick, which is good. But basically, well, I can read out the start of this without going into it too much Jen, who's played by Miranda Lutz um, very well, is enjoying a romantic getaway with her wealthy boyfriend until his two sleazy friends arrive for an unannounced hunting trip. Tension soon mounts in the house and the situation abruptly and viciously intensifies. And I'll just stop there. 
Intriguing. Um, and it really does start with every classic trope of an exploitation movie. So Miranda, Matilda Lutz, this very attractive, beautiful um, American actress and model. And the kind of the camera angles and the way it kind of follows her around is very leering. Uh, the Technicolor is very saturated. Every pink is hot pink. Every green is super green. It's, I mean, it's a really beautifully shot movie. There's some amazing kind of uh, bits of uh, camera use and kind of... Uh, cinematography in it but you can tell as a woman watching it that it is kind of a pastiche because it is I don't know what I'm trying to get at basically you can tell this has been written and directed by a woman and there's definitely commentary out there that says despite how it it's so exploitative at the start that never really regains it never really you know it's trying to make a feminist slant on that kind of exploitation movie where there's the sexy girl in a bad situation like a slasher movie yeah like a slasher movie but the way it's so kind of bad at the start but it still kind of focuses on her kind of sexiness that it doesn't what's the word it's not ironic enough or it's not arch enough uh, it doesn't redeem itself but all I can say from my perspective, I've met a number of women who have seen this movie for various bizarre reasons who we all, I, I had a very viscerally strong reaction to it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the progress of the character when it was gory. I thought it was gory for a reason. I mean, as I said before, three people walked out. Um, I mean, it is it's it is. Yeah, it don't watch it on a queasy stomach for sure. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it's kind of a really tightly made movie. There's a lot of tense moments, loads of great little set pieces. Uh, and I can understand why people didn't like it because it is so horrifically gory. There's a great scene on P.O.T., which is all I'll say. Um, but yeah, I think you should definitely give it a go. It's definitely enough of a cinematic experience to be worthwhile the kind of 90 minutes it takes to watch it. Cool. And to have an opinion on it because it's a good movie to have an opinion I, on as I, well. I passed out in Raw, so like, how would I how would I cope? Would Danny pass out? Yeah, I'm easily triggered. You've seen Raw, right? Um, I mean, most of it is fine. I would say there's a bit in a cave where maybe just turn down the volume for a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll turn down the volume. <laughs> But yeah, I don't want to cave. say too much about it because, as I said, it's a it's a movie with enough kind of twists and turns and shocking moments that it's worth going into and kind of having that experience I had with it as well. But I definitely say give it a go. It's it's not much of your time, and even if you hate it, it's also a cool movie to hate as well. Some of my favorite movies in recent years have been horror movies. So you know, maybe this is the genre for me now. Bring the gore on. I see. But yeah, the exploitation at the start is definitely, uh, it's a lot to watch. You definitely feel like... I mean, it starts with a really sexy woman. It starts with a sexy woman and, and thing, the, the bad things happen. And okay, you kind well, of have that's to, not as fun. And you kind of have to get through that to the other side to really enjoy the kind of, the way it completely goes off the rails. Right, okay. Cool. Cool. Thank you very much. The first and last... <laughs> review. And now the women go away and don't speak again. No, no, we certainly won't be having... An, you know what? You are so important to us. We won't have another woman ever or previously to this. <laughs> no women. Podcast. That's not true. George has been on it. Oh, she's not allowed on it anymore. But she can't come on it again because uh, that would just be wrong. Um, Katie represented yeah. all women. The and... shadow she's cast is too long. Yes, exactly. Any woman would just be obscured in the shadow. <laughs> wouldn't even see them there. Well, yeah, it has been fun. Thank and you, Katie. I, and I've still, got, I've still fully... got loads of your recording equipment in my house. Yeah, which... yeah, you can have it because I'm moving to Sweden where we'll just get given recording equipment for I free. Still, I really feel like I should, you know, give you some money for that. No, just have it. It's fine. Don't so worry about it. it. working out. How about just carve my name onto it so it's like, you know, when people get sponsored bricks in the National Theatre or sponsored seats at the opera. Yeah, yeah, Sponsored yeah. microphones at Film Chat. Absolutely. I'll put a monogram, KR. Great. Uh, which I'll have done on the microphone. And, and who knows? Maybe microphone. I'll appear. Maybe I'll ask banal questions of you or send in. You can Skype, your, Skype in. Skype in. Send some reviews of some weird-ass Swedish movies. Katie, have a wonderful time in Sweden. Yes. Thank you for allowing us to be in this studio. I guess this is probably the last time we'll be in here as well, sweating to death, but also with great audio. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sweaty audio. And, and thank and you for joining Come us. visit soon. Come visit. Yeah, I'll be back. Yeah. All righty. What, we, what are we doing next week? Isn't Ant-Man out? Ant-Man. And the Wasp. The small things get big. The big things get small. Join us then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.